The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Beyond. And hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, episode 627 of IGN's weekly PlayStation show, where we are bringing you all the latest and greatest in the news and releases and exciting world of the PlayStation, the year of our Lord, the PlayStation 5. But there wasn't much PS5 news this week. However, we still got plenty to talk about. Uh, joining me this week are Max Scoville. Let us prepare to open that cabinet of erotic pleasures known as the game. <laughs> Off to a great start with Brian Altano as well. Hi, and I'd like to publicly apologize for last week when I knocked on wood, hoping that Cyberpunk wouldn't get delayed. This is not wood. I don't know what this is, what is but this can't be true. This is not wood, yeah. Some sort of a formica, a uh, composite, we don't know. Speaking of, I wanted to roll into, uh, as we have been opening the show, with comments of the week. Uh, and this first comment comes, all of these comments come from the YouTube version of last week's episode, which I was not on for the full time of, but uh, thank you guys for taking the reins and steering that ship. Uh, in those comments, Zoella said, God, I hope that game doesn't get delayed, was a quote from the episode. This video hasn't aged well. And I think most of the comments on last week's show were about you guys talking about cyberpunk not yeah. getting delayed. No, it was it, all like, what are you going to play in April? Oh, we're all playing cyber... I guess we're not. Yep. I guess we're all playing <laughs> Resident Evil 3, maybe. I don't know. Maybe Final Unless Fantasy 7. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I would like to formally apologize uh, on behalf of Jonathan, who oh. should have more zinc and vitamin C. I really need Wait, no, you weren't sick. You were at the rat park. Then, but then I was sick afterward. Yeah. Probably Caught from the, the, the rat the, park. The plague. Yes, from the rats. <laughs> Fun A fever, plague tale innocence. <laughs> Coming to Game Pass soon. Uh, that's not our Stop saying that. But it give, is. I'm give, you're giving them money. Anyway, uh, also in the comments, Real Sergeant Tom said, considering Sony's last E3 had some random guy playing a wood flute for five minutes and then another random tent sideshow, we're not really missing much about them deciding not to be at E3 this That is year. very well put. I really like that. We've yeah. been joking about that for a while, about how the, the last time they did a, a press conference, it was like so messy and weird yeah. that it's it's actually funny that they pulled away. Like it was, They just threw such a weird botched party that they were like, no more parties ever again. Sony went from like years of E3s where it was like the reveal of the PS4 and that big coming out party to uh, like the year of dreams with Final Fantasy VII Remake showing up and Shenmue 3 and all these things to the year with God of War and Spider-Man and all that stuff to the year after with God of War and Spider-Man and all that stuff <laughs> to that year where it was like, uh, here's a church where you're going to listen to a song. The, the games were huge, right? Yeah. Like uh, everything was there. Like all the, all the content was there, but it was just the wrapping paper was weird. Yeah, yeah. It was you a, guys like triple-A video games? All right, what about world music and downbeat <laughs> folk followed by high-res throat 
foot slitting yeah. and a lesbian kiss. <laughs> Games! All right. It's a weird show. We're uh, back. Frankie B in the comments also said, looks like I might be in the minority, but I really enjoyed watching the last few E3s. We'll still want to watch it, but it's disappointing as PlayStation is my favorite platform. And I think most of our lamenting about PlayStation at E3 was that last year. I yeah. think we can all unequivocally say those last few years before that year, 2018, were phenomenal for PlayStation. They were right. edge of your seat. These are the best press conferences I've ever seen. Yeah, and I want to, I, I can't overstate this enough, but our sort of lack of enthusiasm over uh, press and fans, especially going to E3 as it is today, is not because Sony pulled out. It's because Sony is one of the several companies that have pulled out of that show floor over the last few years. Yeah. It is a changing, devolving show, and I don't think for the better. And I, I, I think that like if there was a time to go, and it was several years ago, and that was a magical time for it. But it's kind of a Woodstock '99 right now. <laughs> yeah. And I love Raging S Machine, but you know <laughs> I don't want to spend nine dollars on water. You're drastically overselling what that show is right now. <laughs> Woodstock '99 was was a good time, man. It was a really, really rad. Was it? No, it was not. Time. I still want an Assassin's <laughs> Creed set at Woodstock '99. That would Ooh, be great. That'd yeah. be fun. Uh, and then, last but not least, Eric wrote in the comments: "When Jonathan is away, Max and Brian play." Hell yeah! And I just really like the idea that the show—I haven't watched the full show yet—but that it was just a chaotic. <laughs> I think it was mess. fine. I, yeah, I feel like you guys probably did a good job. With yeah, it. I'm not. That's all right. Yeah. No, yeah. I don't know. I always get this like flustered substitute teacher thing where I'm like, <laughs> oh, hey, hey, everybody. Oh, let's see. Uh, Mr. Dornbush left the lesson plan. Uh, looks like we're all watching Twister in Espanol. <laughs> we're actually just going to we're going to roll out a CRT TV and just show educational yeah. films yeah, for everybody. No but sense. we couldn't figure out how to work it. And the smart kid in class wasn't there. We'll so. watch You're Hamlet. supposed in to turn parts. in a worksheet. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I also wanted to open this week with a question of the week. This comes from the Facebook Podcast Beyond group, which is Facebook.com slash group slash Podcast Beyond. And Hussein asked, what happened to SSX? Good question. What happened to snowboarding games in general, yeah. Death Stranding aside? Um, we and really haven't gotten Breath in. Breath of the Wild. Yeah, Breath guess, of the Wild. Yeah. Steep. Steep yeah. happened. Yeah. I think that there was a like a zeitgeist of, of like, what do you call it? Action sports, extreme sports being yep. huge in the 90s and early 2000s that just kind of dried up. Yeah. Um, it's It's weird, though. Like... I don't, I don't know. I feel like I see more people, more adults skateboarding around. I mean, I see more adults in San Francisco anyway. It's not really a kid city, but like, I don't know. I remember when I was in seventh grade, like skateboarding was the coolest thing and snowboarding was like skateboarding on a mountain, you know, and it was yeah. like, it was cool. Yeah. And then they put it in like Capri Sun commercials and Mountain Dew commercials and you're like, this is badass. And then that kind of disappeared. A lot of that kind of, you're totally right. A lot of that kind of went away at the same time. I mean, we also had... Tony Hawk games. We had Matt Hoffman, Triple BMX, whatever it was, er erotic yeah. <laughs> er erotic bicycle man. Dave Mira. Yeah, hypersexual snowboard <laughs> ski zone. Um, I miss the snowboard. But there's also kids. like they're wholesome. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not a big sports guy, but it is interesting to watch how cyclical these things are in the zeitgeist in terms of how big they get usually around one figurehead like someone like Sean White was like a household name for a little while yeah and then Tiger Woods obviously was like you I mean the golf games were huge golf was probably had took him off the name of those games yep after everything yep. yeah happy Gilmore revitalized yeah. golfing as we I'd know play it a happy Gilmore game oh me too great yeah. just a beat him up golf game yeah, they, it would they, be great if the first like the first few levels were just ice hockey and then you get kicked <laughs> out and then, and it then it's a golf, golf game. God, I want yeah. that mm -hmm. happy Madison is missing a lot of money by not making I agree. space on it. Anyway, I agree. Uh, of course, we're not here just to talk about Adam Sandler films. Uh, sorry on your snub at the Oscars, Adam. We're see also Uncut here. Uncut Gems, it's so good. Everyone go see that. I'm so mad not enough people. These are the number one Uncut Gems fans. That's true. I think it's a
This episode of Podcast Beyond is brought to you by NordVPN, a great way to protect yourself online while also improving your overall experience while enjoying cyberspace. Are you tired of streaming shows, movies, or sporting events being unavailable in your region due to draconian restrictions that are based on completely arbitrary geographical boundaries in physical meat space? Well, switch your virtual location to a place where that's no longer an issue. The same goes for shopping. You can get the best possible deal on subscriptions, flights, hotels, and other goods and services like that from websites that like to play favorites with certain territories and currencies. Meanwhile, encrypted traffic protects your data from hackers, viruses, malware, phishing sites, and other harmful hitchhikers of the information superhighway. Though really, it's more of an information autobahn because there is no speed limit with NordVPN. It is the fastest VPN in the world, so there won't be any buffering or lagging, and it'll stop your ISP from throttling your bandwidth. Isn't that nice? One NordVPN account can be used across six devices, which is great. My wife has been using our account to watch all sorts of awful British reality TV shows that aren't available here, like Argument Island or Half Naked Idiots Fall in Love, and everyone's favorite, The Worst People Just Got Married, let's hear them talk about it. Shows that are so bad they're blocked in our part of the world for our own good, but luckily NordVPN allows her to trick the internet into thinking she's in the UK so she and her awful friends can shriek and howl and cackle at the TV while I'm trying to relax. I've been using my VPN too. You know what I've been using it for? None of your business. Yep, that's right. And thanks to NordVPN, my data is safely encrypted, all bundled up in a weighted security blanket of incomprehensibly complex math problems and nobody can tell what it's doing under there. Data, you do your thing. I'll leave you alone. One month of NordVPN coverage costs less than a cup of coffee. Coffee can't protect you from cyber criminals unless you throw it at them or pour it on their computers and you'll probably get in trouble for doing that. So get NordVPN instead. To get the best possible discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. That link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that is nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. And now, back to the show. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we are here, of course, to talk about PlayStation games, and one of the big things I want to talk about this week is sort of an all-encapsulating topic that does tie back to last week's episode and the irony of it, which is delays. There have been so many delays, not just for last week's episode, but since then. Um, two of the most recent ones include Dying Light 2 being indefinitely delayed. It was originally going to be coming out this spring. It is now coming out sometime in the future. Uh, Iron Man VR was supposed to come out in February, right around my birthday. I was really excited. It's now been delayed until May 15th, 2020. Of course, last week, Final Fantasy VII Remake was delayed by a month. Marvel's Avengers was delayed until September. And Cyberpunk 2077 was also delayed from April to September. So we are looking at 
many of the end of this generation's biggest games coming later, very close to um, this new generation. Of course, that's not to mention the smaller delay that The Last of Us Part Two also got a few months back right. uh, into May. We're seeing a lot of delays. The big first opening question I want to ask both of you guys is, and if we're treading on too much conversation from last week, stop me. Are, are you guys worried by any of these delays? We've, I'm annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, so I'm annoyed as like someone who wants to play games when it's not nice out. You know, like that's one thing I hate is, is like, oh, like, cool, like March. Like, I'm not going outside in March. I hate that month. That's a crappy one. <laughs> and then they're like, no, good news is getting kicked to like September. And I'm like, that's beautiful outside. <laughs> the good news is like is Cyberpunk coming out in April. I would have spent it, it, I would have been outside being like, I wish I was inside playing video games. And if I was inside playing, it's, it's beautiful outside. I should go outside. But like, I don't know. It's it's frustrating. It's stupid. It's yeah. both, both in terms of like as a gamer, but also as someone who has to talk about these things. Talking about delays is not exciting. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. not like a dramatic cancellation. It's just a mild inconvenience. It's like, oh, we have to wait longer. We have to we have to tread water and be like, oh, it's vamp. What do we hope to see? I don't know. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen next? Will yeah. we see a sequel? Who knows? There's also this fallacy that uh, delays inherently buy the dev team more time. And the, by and large, from what we've seen and read anecdotally, is that they don't. They actually extend crunch, which doesn't make it so CD Projekt Red has like an extra six months or something to work on this game. It just means that they're like, you know, pedal to the metal nose to the grindstone other stupid sayings mm-hmm. uh, harder than ever for even longer which is like unfortunate and I know a lot of people don't really think about that part and in many ways I don't blame them like they don't really want to know how the sausage is made they just want to have the sausage and I get that um, but like digging into it and, and then like following devs on Twitter a lot of them are really saying a lot of the same stuff here which is this is not necessarily giving them more lax creative freedom more space to sort of like spread yeah. their wings a little bit um, it's it's actually making it harder for them and extending their work hours they want to ship projects right they want to get these projects out and that that this makes it so that that finish line is further down and that, that's disappointing um, the thing that I, I've been saying is it's sort of and this obviously feeds into the crunch culture as well is that at this point like just put the make the games next gen launch games and I understand it's not as easy as dragging and dropping but something like cyberpunk of course, yeah, right? <laughs> Something like Cyberpunk is being developed concurrently with high-end PC hardware, which means that, hypothetically, there are versions of it that exist that are way better looking than the ones that we're all going to play on our consoles that we bought five years ago or three years ago, right? Depending on if you jumped in with the mid... Per pro or one The mid-gen upcycle or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, I like, I don't want to play... I don't want to play this game in September. I want to play this game on day one on PS5. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that entails. Um, and I don't want PC players to be punished yeah. so that I can selfishly get like the greatest launch game ever. <laughs> but like I know on launch game on launch day, we're going to be playing like futuristic racer and like last gen port and like indie puzzler. <laughs> but like I want to play cyberpunk. Yeah. <laughs> I want to play cyberpunk on day one. September is a really interesting month for a couple of these games, Avengers and cyberpunk to be delayed into. Obviously, they're not talking about the cross gen versions of these but i think we it's safe to assume there will be cross-gen versions at some point right yeah yeah well that's the thing it's like cyberpunk is going to be a massive single-player game multiplayer is coming down tbd yeah right um so hypothetically you could take a month off of work finish cyberpunk play the next-gen consoles, get it all done, right? Avengers is a weird one because that's going to be a sort of games-as-a-service thing. That's an ongoing Destiny-style platform. And so I hopefully 
they'll figure out some way to communicate those things where you can jump in on day one on PS5, pick up your save from PS4, and keep playing. How all of that is going to communicate is interesting. Yeah, well, and presumably it'll be a backward compatible game. Yeah. But will there be a PS5 version that we're going to want to buy down the line? Yeah. And how will the people who are maybe playing the backward compatible version feel about that, having played that version for six months when this new gen version? we We are all acting like backwards compatibility is like a sure thing. Well, we know it's happening. Do we know? We, we sure do know. Backward, they have for sure, confirmed. For sure. That is one of the things they have confirmed. They have not really talked about the extent of it. Yeah. Across the board? I, again, they I haven't mean, really for, talked yeah. about for the For PlayStation, extent. yeah. It's going to be It's gonna be very annoying if they're like, some titles. And you're like, oh, good. Well, yeah, that, I think I, you were probably here, but we were theorizing about that. Like, what does BC mean on PS5? Does it mean that it will play discs? Does it mean that your digital library is entirely unlocked on day one? Does it mean that they'll slowly drag and drop games over, like yeah. the way Xbox did with the 360 backwards compatibility titles? Like that stuff takes time, right? And so it's going to be kind of a real kick in the ass if like Cyberpunk comes out and we're like, well, it'll be cool. I'll still play it on PS5, and it's just like doesn't doesn't play nice, and it's like you got to hang out, and wait for the PS5 patch or the PS5 version or whatever. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this too about like the Wii U would boot into Wii mode. Or the Wii would boot into GameCube mode, and that's how they did backwards compatibility over there. Well, and based on the leaked specs, that's the current thinking about how the PS5 will work, is essentially it'll be able to switch into a PS4 or PS4 Pro mode. Right. Which I'm, I'm, I'm okay with. I mean, I, I did say that I would like everything under, you know, one umbrella, but yeah. it is what it is. Um, but that would mean that we could get that game working day one, but it's also... They're going to make a PS5 version of that game. They're going to double dip on all of these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, especially and, these like ongoing games. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And so I guess like that's that's where all the, the big questions are right now. It's not only are these games getting delayed, they're getting delayed so close to next gen launches that will they work on day one? Will they be patched on day one to just be a PS5 game or will they sell us a brand new SKU for 60 bucks and will we buy it? And the answer to all of those is I don't know, I don't know, I don't know yes. and yes. <laughs> so yeah. going back to the delay thing, like everyone sort of knew that you know, this gen would be happening presumably this year or thereabouts. Yeah. So like any games that have been in development for this long or for you know the amount of time it takes to develop a game and reveal it publicly, it's a pretty safe bet that you're like you're aiming pretty close. So it's sort of it's almost like trying to land a plane on two runways at once. Yeah. Uh, and it's yeah. I don't know. I think as far as like delays go, it would be pretty weird if like, I mean, we we did have this. I remember last gen uh, when they revealed Watchmen or not Watchmen, what Watch, I'm dogs. Watch Dogs. Yeah, they're like men, but they're smaller. <laughs> um, the Watch Dogs, that demo in Chicago that was incredible. We're all like, this is amazing. How is this ever going to possibly work on PS3 and Xbox 360? This is nuts. And everyone's like, oh, it's on super high end PC hardware. It's probably a hint of what next gen has in store. And we're all like, this is incredible. This is great. And then they kept kind of drip feeding us that stuff. And then they were like, oh, it's going to be a launch game. And then it's like, no, it's not. It's going to be launch window. It's right. Like, it's going right. to be, it's actually coming out um, six months after the new hardware. <laughs> and by the time that came around, it was just like, yeah, I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait for the second one. I'll pass. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That that also was like one of the poster boys for like the E three downgrade conversation, and sort of looking at that and being like, "Wow, night and day." I mean, we called them back in the old like screenshot magazine days. You called them bull shots. Yeah. And now 
there was an entire like trailer culture around that, mm-hmm. you know, and it wasn't just seeing like a, a, a CG rendered trailer like Square does a lot, which is sort of like them being like, hey, we we can make films like this. We're awesome at this. This is going to be what a cutscene looks like. They were like, this is what this game will look like. And then it didn't. And so also I want to reiterate uh, or be clear about something. Um, when I want Cyberpunk on day one on next gen consoles, I still want it to come to the old consoles, too. Yeah. I don't want to rob one hundred and forty five million They'd people be leaving money on the table. Yeah, there, there's no way that any of these delayed games, whether or not these um, indicate the next gen plans, are not going to still come to current gen. You yeah. wouldn't want to risk that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just it's just weird to watch. It's it's almost unprecedented to see this much stuff, but up against the launch of a new cycle. Yeah, like this, and and then you have Microsoft on their side being like, oh, we won't have exclusive games for a year. Everything that you can play on Xbox One Series X, you'll also be able to play on Xbox One. Blah 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 blah, and so I. Sony is obviously gone in the opposite direction. There will be platform exclusive launch games, which I love because that I think sort of justifies your purchase. But at the same time, like these these things are incredibly close together now, and yeah. this is this is not we haven't really seen this like this on on this level. What do you think, uh, Max? You were talking a little bit about like the dating of these games. What do you think? Ooh. The, the these games going Dinner out in a movie? together? I yeah. think so. I, with Cyberpunk, Sorry. yes, please. Um, in terms of these games being delayed to September and everything, what do you think that means for the next-gen launch? Because I don't think that means we're going to see uh, you know, next-gen versions of Avengers and Cyberpunk Day 1 with those release dates now. But do you think those next-gen games will come at launch with the new consoles, or do you think it'll be six months after like a launch window I game? think they'll be announced without hard dates on them. Yeah. You know, and it'll be one of those things where the, as it comes closer, they'll be like, oh, we'll have, we have a safer idea. And there's going to be that, that forgiving, like the days of there being a hard launch day where you go to the store and you're like, I will buy, oh, look at these 27 games out for this new box. It's like, it's going to be launch window where it's like, these are coming out in the following... Three months, you know. Yeah. But don't don't you guys think it's like software suicide to not have games as a service running day one on your next gen systems? Like especially incredibly popular ones. Like don't don't you think that like Fortnite and Destiny and hopefully Avengers will be there on PS five day think one? A lot of a lot of what we see at E three is gonna be things we're already familiar with. Oh, and it's this it's gonna be available day one on X platform with you know, Z bells and whistles. Right, right. right. I, I do think a lot of those big games. Avengers is a big question mark to me because we do also know there is supposed to be a PS4 beta coming that was supposed to be in the spring ahead of its launch. Now I don't know when that's delayed to. We don't have right. too much info on that. But I think the popularity of that game might determine its lead up to and when it eventually comes out on next gen. But other free to play and live service games like Fortnite, PUBG, Warframe. Warframe was a game that was really big with the launch of the PS4, if I remember correctly. That's probably going to be there at PS5 launch because right. the game has only gotten bigger. I think like these console makers, I think, would be silly not to get those games as quickly as possible onto those next gen uh, consoles. No, it's a really good point because it's I, I, a lot of people trade in their last console for their new console, yeah. and so if you're really into Avengers for uh, two months, and you trade in your PS4 for a PS5, like you don't want to just give that up. Like that's it. There's going to be events happening that weekend yeah. in the game to get you know Thor socks or whatever, and you want to get in there get those socks. Taskmaster learned a new <laughs> stop an emote. Yeah, um, yeah. That's that's a, that's a really interesting way of putting it. The, the thing is too is like someone. These conversations are happening behind the scenes right now, sure. and someone is going to have to figure out the right way to do it yeah. because that will set that'll set the precedent for how everybody else does it. Yeah. So if if Square goes Avengers on PS4 is playable on day one on PS5, blah 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 blah, 
then that's the way that goes, right? Unless people are just making up their own rules. If Warframe goes, it's $10 upgrade fee to play this on PS5, and Square goes, oh, we can do that? Oh, yeah, we're (laughs) going to do that, you know? But you also know that Fortnite is just going to be there. They're not going to charge anyone to play Fortnite on PS5. Fortnite's an interesting one because it's like when Nintendo launched Nintendo Online on Switch, Fortnite was like, oh, we're we're not going to... We're not part of that. You can play our game for free. Yeah. We're not going to charge you to play online. Yeah. That's not what we do, you know? Um, And so I think that they can kind of play by their own rule. Fortnite is also, I saw a video of it running at 120 frames per second on an iPad Pro the other day. And they're like, yeah, we can overclock it here. We can, we can do that. We can't really do that anywhere else right now, but we can do that here. And it's just like, oh yeah. So that, that game just drags and drops everywhere and has its own kind of rules with everywhere it goes. And so, yeah, I totally think Fortnite's going to be there on day one, but what will it be? The, the PS4 download or will it be a new PS5 version? It's also better. That's a free game. So how does that work? I remember like the, the sort of dawn of this generation was the kind of the earliest like free to play stuff I remember really talking about. Like Blacklight Retribution was right. like, yeah. one Warframe. DC Universe Online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some of that was like I think around for last gen, like the very tail end of it. Yeah. But then like So when you're was, when your ecosystem, when your video games eShop or whatever, your your online store is barren on day one and there's a tab that says free. And people just drop 500, 600 bucks on a console. You best believe they're going into that tab and they're downloading all those free games. And so that stuff did really well on Switch. It did really well on PS4. Warframe, right? Like that's like one of those things where you can jump in day one and start playing like this badass high def video game on your new toy Mm -hmm. and not have to dump a bunch of money in unless you want socks. It's also, I mean, a lot of, I don't know how you compete with stuff like you know, Fortnite at this point, Apex Legends, it's been out already. It's got a act, massive active user base. But if you're like, hey, that's a new free to play game exclusively on this thing or yeah, launching yeah. day one on this on this platform. It's like that's how you get again. People see the free tab and like, oh, cool. Yep. You know, yeah. Try something new. Start on the ground up. Yeah. It, it's going to be really interesting to see how all of these games, both the free and paid ones, navigate that space on day one of these new consoles. Uh, I did want to quickly ask before we move to the next topic. Do you think with these dates, specifically in September, those are sort of the latest dates in the year we have. Does that change your idea of when maybe these consoles are going to launch? I still think November is a safe bet. Um, but does the launch of Cyberpunk and Avengers in September make you rethink that at all? I mean, I saw some theories kicking around that maybe this means that next-gen consoles will launch in September. Yeah. And I'm down with that. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a blast. It's a good way to start Mm -hmm. the fall. Um, Ultimately, you have to butt up against Black Friday as as hard as possible. That's the biggest spending week of of the year for consumers. Yeah. And the week after is one of the deadest. Because that's when everybody has already spent all their money and they're looking at their paycheck going, why? I mean, if you launch if you launch new hardware in September, that gives you this wonderful grace period leading up to Black Friday to get new games out for that yeah. platform. Yep. And yep. It's not just like a rush to be like, you got to get it out this week. It's like, oh, you can kind of trickle mm-hmm. it out. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, I mean, everybody said they're launching this year. It'd be crazy if not knocking on wood again, <laughs> but it'd be crazy if one of them got delayed, you know? I mean, I, I think that, and they won't do this, I don't think they'll do this, but I think Sony can afford to take their time to get it right, because I don't think that, I don't think that Microsoft is, or Microsoft is really, or the Xbox brand really is the threat where it would overtake the entire empire right now. I mean, they, they sold more than 
two and a half times as many consoles this generation. Yeah. That would be a lot of people jumping ship. I think Microsoft's going to kick ass out the gate. I think they're going to make an awesome machine. I can't wait for it. But I think Sony, if they needed to delay, could, but I don't want them to. Yeah. I think it'd be stupid. You know, I think that enough, like, there's that, what is it, first to 10 million? Yeah. It's like, a, it's such a big thing. And I'm, it's, there's momentum really helps. Yeah. If only one person is in that race and Microsoft automatically gets 10 million and Sony doesn't, that would be, yeah. that'd be a big problem. I mean, the year start lead that the 360 had was a really Huge. big thing. Not just the, there were problems with the PS3 launch and the way they were promoting yep. it, but the 360 having a, almost a full year, if not a full year. And Sony came around, yeah. but it took years and years to get there. Yeah. And so I don't think that would be wise for them. Could they afford to do it? Probably. Should they? No. Yeah. It, It'll be a very strange thing to see this fall. And obviously, we're inching up toward February, which is when everyone is speculating we'll get PS5 news. Will we? I don't know. PlayStation you guys getting a little bit stir-crazy? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit cabin yeah. fever. Yeah. Just clawing off the wallpaper? Yeah. I just, I just know I, things. I remember just being like sort of nostalgic for like, oh, who could forget the Project Morpheus or oh, the Orbis or whatever? <laughs> Orbis, like, oh, yeah, remember Orbius, Project so. Cafe? All these weird code names. Yeah. It's fun to speculate. But also, it's it gets so tedious where yeah. you're just like, just tell me the thing. Yeah. It's so the box that coupled with all the delays has made this January a huge pain in the ass in terms of like being like, all right, what's this year look like? Let's get it. Let's get a like a, a big bird's eye view of what 2020 looks like. And it's like, oh, we don't know. Yeah. Because every two days to in February. Oh, I don't know. Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> playing Sonic the Hedgehog, the movie, the game in dreams. Maybe. I yeah, think. I can't wait for that. I don't know. That'll be really fun. Yeah. Really cool. Uh, moving on from that, though, we'll, oh, they of course, make that baby. we'll be going stir crazy for the next few weeks and months until we hear more PS5 information. But I did want to jump to another thing that I don't think you guys talk too much uh, last week about which is the PC port stuff or did you Mm-mm. touch on that do you remember it's been a long year yeah it's been a long year since last did week did that get confirmed or corroborated or anything uh, no there's just been a little bit more detail touch on that. All right. I just had uh, a weird deja vu because we shot a we had a about conversation that, yeah. about it uh, Max and I talked in another convo you can see on IGN youtube.com slash IGN uh, about the fact that there were reports from Kotaku that Horizon Zero Dawn is coming to PC uh, this has been a rumor that's been floating out there for a while and Kotaku essentially corroborated that with three people familiar with Sony's plans said that uh, Guerrilla Games' Horizon Zero Dawn will be coming at some point to PC. Uh, Sony has not officially commented on that or confirmed in any way. Uh, after that, I believe there were other rumors and discussion about possibly Dreams coming to PC, which kind of would make sense. Uh, and then there were further job listings that people were pointing to from Naughty Dog, suggesting that Naughty Dog for The Last of Us Part Two development was looking for people with uh, familiar knowledge of PC development tools and things. So all of this is to say is that it seems like maybe Sony is looking toward releasing its exclusives on a non-Sony platform. Uh, Max, you and I talked about this a bit in terms of how it follows with the MLB The Show announcement of them moving that to other platforms um, and sort of the way Microsoft has been behaving, which is essentially just buy our games. We don't care what platform it's on. It doesn't right. need to be on Xbox One. If it's on PC, that's great. Just buy our game. Yeah, they just, they want to inflate their brand. Yeah. Like they, I don't think they, they're not really in that long game of plastic boxes like everybody else is. Yeah, and, and so I did want to bring the, uh, this story up mostly to ask because I've seen a lot of people discuss this as some people from the, you know, Sony diehard point of view are going, what is Sony doing? They're giving up their exclusives and they're putting them on a different console. Do, do you see it that way? Do you see that as a mistake to put these games on no. the PC? More people playing a game is never a bad thing. That's a weird gatekeeper mentality. Yeah. It also means that more people are aware of these brands and then if they come out with like a Horizon Zero Dawn movie, the people go see it. Or it's like, I don't know, there's more fans of the thing. Yeah. The, the box traditionally is not where they make their money. 
the right. console. It's the games and the software. And putting a three-year-old game on PC right now isn't exactly making people go, well, do I buy a PS4 or a PC? I don't really think that's going to like move the needle for anyone right now. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, no, I think you guys make some really good points. I totally get it from the sort of diehard fan perspective of like, why would this leave this platform? This is one of the reasons I bought this platform. But for a three-year-old game, that game has basically extracted 99% of its sales by now, uh, you know, bearing a, a giant price drop that would yeah. sales on usher in a brand new audience or something yeah. like that, um, or some PS5 port or something. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it does, it does sort of fragment the kind of illusion that this is the reason that you would get this thing, this box, it plays all these games and this is the only place where you can play them. But on the flip side, like as somebody who loves wild, insane creativity and comedy that generally comes from the PC gaming community when they get a hold of something, that means that I'm going to get to play Horizon Zero Dawn as Waluigi. <laughs> you know, like once the, once that, once a game you love that's semi-serious makes yep. it over there, people just go bonkers with it and they add Thomas the Tank Engine the and Shrek. Dragon Ball Z Kakarot came out on like Friday, Thursday, something. And, and on they, Wednesday, they people already put the goose from the goose game in yeah. there. Really? Yes. Yeah. That's amazing. It's great. He's just Get hanging more out. of that, yeah. <laughs> I would love if someone made Horizon Zero Dawn a mod for it where the uh, robot dinosaurs were the Zords from Power Rangers. Yep. You just make them all different Zords. That'd be great. Yeah. Oh, God, that'd be great. I, the, I see Sony moving games, especially older games, to PC as more of a, hey, we want people to recognize our IP. We value the brands that we're building within the Sony portfolio, and we right. want people to play those games. And I don't think that means Horizon Zero Dawn 2 will come out day and date on PC. No, no I don't think yeah. so either. I, I think there's an argument, too, that um, people will play Horizon and they'll go, this is awesome. When does Horizon 2 come out? And it's like, oh, next year. On what? PS5. Oh, oh I should get a PS5. Oh, exactly. Pretty sneaky, like, right? Yeah, I, th I think there is a system seller aspect to that. Um, and that is, that's an odd thing to think about because they are basically getting three-year-old leftovers of a console game, you know? And I, I mean, we get leftover PC games all the time on the mm -hmm. console side, especially over at Nintendo Voice Chat. <laughs> um, but I, I do think that there is an argument there that people will play that game and they'll go, oh, I got to play the sequel. I don't want to wait three years. I'm going to jump on this day one and buy a PS5 as soon as I can. Yeah. And so I think that's smart. I mean, it's ultimately, it's Sony getting their logo in the corner of stuff and yeah. elevating that brand. Also, you know? like if the new hardware is increasingly more more and more basically just PCs, you know, masquerading as consoles and you're developing for this hardware that's that close to PC, then why not? Like yeah. double dip. I think when it was the PS3, it was another story because it's like that was a bizarre different architecture, allegedly. And then with I think with I don't even know what the PS2 had going for it. I guess it was kind of kind of PC-ish, but if, not. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, yeah. I don't know the architecture. Yeah, I mean, again, I think that was I think you go far back enough and it's like. The, the divide between consoles and PCs is that far apart. Yeah. And it's like, which are you making these games for? And now it's like, these are, I mean, Microsoft's, it's always been a, it's always been a PC hardware. It's yeah. direct Xbox, you know, and increasingly it's, these things are becoming more and more the same machines. So yep. just if you're going to go to the trouble of making something for one platform and it's not that much trouble to port it over, then go for it. You know, I think if, PC is going to start taking stuff from PlayStation, then PlayStation should start taking stuff from PC, such as free online. <laughs> yeah. Like every time my PlayStation Plus auto renews, I'm like, what am, why am I paying for this yeah. again? Like I, I download like maybe one game every three months on PlayStation Plus and I play online almost never because I'm a single player guy. Um, 
and uh, on the PC side, they you basically don't have to pay for online mm-hmm. anywhere. Yeah. And so, can we steal that? Like, if we're if we're trading, let's let's steal that. The the role of PlayStation Plus and Xbox Live is a really interesting question. I haven't thought about for next gen until right now, and I don't really know what the answer is. But yeah, what those services mean going to next gen with so many free to play games, with so many cross gen or cross. Uh, compatible games from different console platforms. Yeah, what all that means. I saw a resetter a thread yesterday that stated that if you have been paying for PlayStation Plus on day one since the launch of the PS4, you will have paid $420 by the end of the life cycle, which is more money than the damn PS4. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. That's crazy. And, like, I don't know, if you look back at that, like, was that worth it? Maybe? I think there was definitely, you could definitely graph the sort of the value there. Yes. Uh, there was have, a time where it was worth it. Like, yes. I have no qualms about paying for uh, Game Pass. Again, sorry, I know it's a PlayStation show, apologies, but like, I don't know, you look at that, you're like, oh, it's a massive back catalog and a library, but it's like, it, and you're like, oh, wait, so for, what is it, like seven, six dollars a month? I don't even remember how much it is. Well, that's, that's like paying 60 for bucks a year. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's like, oh, you get one to, one to three games a month, basically? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and speaking of... Game Pass and everything, Alexander from the Facebook group asked, with all these PC port rumors and everything, with apparently more exclusives coming to PC, do you think Sony is preparing their version of Game Pass, including spreading to other platforms? So essentially making a service that would say, hey, you can play some PlayStation games like PlayStation Now games on other services, which is how PS Now works right now. You can play PC. Well, they were talking about God of War on on PlayStation Now being playable on PC. Yeah. And and I believe... Horizon is yeah. going to be one of those games. And so uh, they're definitely dabbling in it, which is yeah. good to see. Um, yeah, I, I've been saying that since day one. I want I want a Game Pass style system structure on on PS5. Yeah. Um, I think I think that now needs a PlayStation now needs an entire brand overhaul. It needs a new name, a new logo. It needs to come out there with some wow and just be like not World of Warcraft, but just like an actual excitement factor. That so if it did have just, wow, Game yeah. Pass has that like cool logo that's like a little neon sign. Again, sorry, I know it's, <laughs> but like you look at PlayStation, there's like plus view now shop like there's just all these different there's all these different things that are like and it's none of it is like its own identifiable like. Brand, yeah, yeah what, that like, you are. Well, like I, I, I do this thing a lot where like I'll be like, oh, I want to play a game from a little while ago. Like I was talking about Remnant from the Ashes, yeah, and it was like twenty five bucks on PS4, and it was included on Game Pass. And my Game Pass subscription was like, I got some crazy deal where it was like a dollar a month for like sixteen months or something like that. And so I was like, well, I like the PS4 controller more, and I like turning on that system and playing games anymore. But I also like having twenty five dollars. Yeah. So I'm going to play it here, and I want Sony to be able to compete with that, so that I don't have to go over to Xbox to play something. I can just play it on my PS4, where I'm going to be gaming anyway. And so, yeah, I really, really hope they find something for that. Yeah, I, I do think they will try to compete with Game Pass more in this new generation. I do. For me, a big sticking point though, because uh, I think we've talked about it in the office and just people have a lot of conjecture about it. I do not think they will offer PlayStation first party games day and date on that service. If it's now or something else until they are forced to, I totally in the same way that Xbox does. I think Xbox did that because they saw a smart way to get people to get by this thing and it works, Mm -hmm. but I don't think Sony will do that. Another thing that's interesting about that. That's really fascinating to me is that you get this sort of, um, what was that bad Cloverfield movie that dropped on Netflix? Paradox. Cloverfield yeah. Paradox came out 
after the Super Bowl one year and we're all kind of like, you know, full of meat and day drunk. And they were like, hey, by the way, brand new Cloverfield movie tonight. And we're like, oh, that's great. I don't even have to leave the house. And we, we turned it on and it was totally a mediocre film. But people assessed their viewing of it as fun because they saw a movie for free. And I saw the same exact thing happen last year with Crackdown 3, yeah. which was not a great game, a kind of broken game. But a lot of people were like, hey, it was included in my thing. And so totally for me, it was worth it. I liked yeah. it, you know, stuff like that. Well, it's like, the Netflix occasion of things like, don't get me wrong. I think there are some amazing shows on Netflix, but I think we also give a lot of shows a pass on Netflix because it's like, well, it was included in the thousands of other shows. We all watched watch. Bird Box. Yeah, but right? I actually didn't. Yeah, don't. Yeah. I'm um, about it. Uh, yeah, it was just like a quiet place with blindfolds or whatever. It's such a stupid movie. Um, but yeah, people loved it because it was like they didn't have there was zero effort to get that. Yeah. You didn't have to go in your car. You didn't have to like camp out on Fandango and buy some ticket in the middle of the theater and get a you know a commemorative cup and all that like I do for Star Wars like a big idiot baby. It's like all you can eat buffet logic. Yeah. yeah, like it's not necessarily good food, but, but it, there's a you lot just of go it. and get it. You're like <laughs> oh, I can get more and no, then no one yells at me. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I like yeah. It. And so I think there is there is an argument for that. Um, right now, I think we all play for. Pl- we all pay for PlayStation Plus in the same way we pay for our annual credit card fees. It was like we get some perks out of this. But we don't do this because we love it. Like, we do this because we have, have to. to. Yeah. And, like, I do want them to pivot that into being something that I'm excited to pay for again. Yeah. Like, where I feel like this is justifiably worth my time and money to pay 60 bucks a year or whatever it is. I mean, you can get deals on it. Yeah. Um, and we and we don't know what those services will look like going into next gen. Obviously, Sony has been very quiet about that. And I am excited to see what they do change and what they don't and what mm-hmm. that means for paying for that stuff going forward. We could have cocky Sony and they just do nothing. Exactly. Oh. Yeah, they could just leave it as is. Uh, moving on from that, I do want to, since we're running a little shorter on time, uh, I do want to jump right into what we're playing. This week, uh, I, as you may hear from my voice, been a little sick, so I haven't been playing that much uh, after I came back from Disneyland. Uh, I was going to play around with the big, expensive lightsaber I built, and then I learned that my dog is scared of the lightsaber. Oh. (laughs) We lit it up, and it scared him, so I didn't get to use that thing too much. You know what actually I hear helps with that is if you take a really long cardboard tube and talk through it. Oh, okay. I'll do that. That calms them down That should be great. You can also hone your Darth Vader voice doing that. Oh, perfect. Good to know. Anyway, what have you guys been playing? Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. Can yeah. I talk about it for yeah. the love of God? Uh, yeah, so we, uh, Mitchell put up his review of it. Mitchell Saltzman, great guy to review that game. He's yes. a big, huge fan of DBZ, big fan of fighting games, big fan of beat-em-ups. Uh, he gave it a 7 out of 10, which I think is just right on the nose, totally with that. Um, that being said, it is not a bad game. 7 out of 10 is not, is it good? Is not bad. It's yeah. good on our scale, yeah. Yeah, uh, good out of 10. Um, <laughs> I love Dragon Ball Z um, dearly. I've... I haven't rewatched the anime in a million years, so it's like this is pretty much the a really good alternative to rewatching that. I think <laughs> yeah. it's actually faster than rewatching the anime, which is 291 episodes of the original cut, and then they did like a reduced version, which a lot of people are divided on. But it's I think this is a uh, probably a 60 hour, 40 60 hour game. Wow. It's not bad. Um, yeah, but it's it's definitely. It calls itself an RPG. It's got a lot of RPG elements. At the end of the day, it's pretty much just a really frantic beat 'em up game. Um, it is. When it hits like a high note, it is so good, especially if you're into DBZ stuff. Some of the cutscenes are just like jaw-droppingly gorgeous. Um, floating around in that world and getting to explore all the weird little corners is great when it's like detailed and interesting. When it's one of those sort of trademark barren wastelands that you see so many of in the background of DBZ, it's like, you know, kind of whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. The I'm I'm surprised at how like like definitely there's definitely parts where I'm like, this feels like a game for children. 
um, because I'm just not even trying and I'm getting like, you know, S ranks and A ranks. And it's right. Like, okay. I noticed that too. I played the first few hours, which is weird because I'm not a Dragon Ball guy. Yeah. I have like very foggy memories of like watching the original cartoon at friends' houses like in the 80s because I'm old. But uh, I jumped in because I was just like, first of all, I want to try to get out of my gaming comfort zone a little bit in 2020. And second of all, I'm always looking for just sort of like a fast, casual action RPG. And it's totally hitting the notes on that. I, it, w the highs that it's probably giving someone like you are lost on me because I don't understand the language or the universe that, that it's taking place in. Mm -hmm. But I'm still finding it like fun and endearing. And it like, I feel like it alternates between looking like a looking, it's like a pretty good looking game to looking stunning. Like there are moments where you're just like, I'm watching an anime. This is gorgeous. Like, yeah. um, the, some of the fights are really funny and goofy and just the way you're both basically supermaning and flying around and floating towards each other and beating each other up. Uh, I found like flying around in the cloud to be like a little bit wonky. How did you find it as sort of like an onboarding thing as someone who's never watched Dragon Ball Z? I think it does a really good job of like sort of drip feeding you characters. Um, and then you get to like that first island and there's like, here's 10 dudes you don't know. And you're like, whoa. <laughs> so that's the big secret is I think the, the problems with this are the same problems with Dragon Ball Z. Interesting. Where like mm. a lot of people get into Dragon Ball Z and they're like, hey, I'm here for it. And you get kind of like Stockholm into it. And by like, you know, 20 hours in, you're like, I care about these characters. But if you ever stop and look at like the beginning of Dragon Ball Z, it is a it is the middle of a series. Yeah. It is like the the, the manga is just called Dragon Ball straight through. And if you start at the beginning, it's Goku as a kid and he grows right. up. And then about halfway through, he has a kid. And that's where Dragon Ball Z starts. And it's like it doesn't make any sense to start there. But. Somehow it was a success, success stateside, and everyone's like, yeah, I like these characters, but like, it does totally dump a bunch of them on you. Yeah. And yeah. also, everyone is really strong at that point. <laughs> like, everyone is pretty much overpowered. Everyone can fly. Uh, everyone can shoot energy blasts. It's like, it's kind of like being dumped into an RPG, you Near know, the end game. after 60 hours. <laughs> yeah. When everyone's got, like, god summons and can, like, do, like, insane fast travel stuff, and you're like, this is... This is odd. I, I will say it has some of the same kind of like whiplash problems that I, I would say any superhero game would have where like Goku is running around 150 miles an hour and he's like super jumping into the air. But then they're like, you can't jump on that. And you're like, why? I, I'm a superhero. I want to be able to jump on the mountain. And they're like, no, you can't. We didn't. You didn't draw a ledge up there. You can't go up there. <laughs> and then you go in a house and he's just like walking around incredibly slow. And like his girlfriend, I think, is like cooking him <laughs> you know, like katsu. Yep. You're like, all right, this is like this is kind of like a breakneck halt from what I was just doing seconds earlier. Or like you'll go running through and they'll be like, hey, you forgot Gohan. And you're like, well, where's that little boy? And like, he's just like <laughs> hanging out in a tree somewhere. So you have to like tediously walk back and he's like walking it's it's like having a toddler following you. Yeah, I, I've only played the first like half hour, an hour or so before I got sick. And it was one of those things where it started and it's that mission with Gohan. And he's like, oh, you went too far. Where are you? And I'm like, oh, I have to go back. Hi, great news. <laughs> you are the world's strongest man. Yep. You can fly. You can destroy mountains. You can run faster great. than anyone. Wonderful. But you have a four-year-old son <laughs> and you have to walk him to get apples. Uh, okay. So slow down. Yeah. Take your time. <laughs> also, your wife wants you to go home. No running in the house. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think now that I understand all that, it'll it'll gel with me a little more. But at first, I was kind of like, "Why won't you let me be the superhero man?" Yeah, yeah. It's it's really like it's really weird. I'm a much bigger fan of like classic Dragon Ball because it's like I think more I, like I always I always describe Dragon Ball to Dragon Ball Z as if like 
if Looney Tunes turned into the X-Men, like weird, dark, late stage X-Men where it's like the fate of the galaxy hangs in the balance, but it began as like animals hitting each other. Right. Which yeah. is literally what Dragon Ball is. Like yeah. it, the first the first main villain they have is a a pig who can shapeshift for 60 <laughs> seconds at a time. Yeah. And so they like feed him a magical candy that will make him get diarrhea anytime <laughs> somebody whistles. Like, that's what Dragon Ball is. And then Dragon Ball Z is, oh, no, this space warlord <laughs> has destroyed the planet and everyone on it, including the guy who created the magic balls that Grant wishes. So we have to use other balls to wish him back to life so that we can make the other. It's like it's like it's it's the logic of like, oh, a genie grants you three wishes. But what are you going to wish for? I'm going to wish for more wishes. Okay, mm. But somebody killed the genie. What are you going to do now? Like, it gets like. Is it sort of like a Avengers Infinity Stone stuff too? Like, it does get there. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely like. I mean, the I, I do like that they took the time to like put a mechanic of gathering Dragon Balls in this game about Dragon Balls, which are pretty much sort of a side story in DBZ at that point. But the idea that you get these seven magical things that are scattered around the Earth and you can grant wishes. Uh, I think like maybe 10 hours into the game, they're like, this is a thing you can do. And it's just like this wonderful, like kind of side oh, side quest where like, I think they just show up in random locations and it'll show you on sort of the overworld map, like which hub areas have those in them. Right. And you can fly around and collect them. And then when you collect them all, you can, you can wish enemies you've already beaten back to life and fight them again for experience. Or you can wish for rare items. And it'll just dump like a bunch of random, like, like hot food and like weird like collectibles on you and you're like cool you gave me like four bowls of soup and a porno magazine that i can give to my old trainer to level up our friendship perfect um yeah yeah it's like it's so weird thing is um what is it cyber connect to the, the studio that put it out uh they also did asura's wrath a million years ago which was mm. i remember when it came out it was this gorgeous cel-shaded uh game that was heavily like quick time event like heavy whatever uh and people were like it's sort of like a playable anime which is exactly what this is yeah uh and i think all the times that it like if it if it had spent another year in development it would be a phenomenal game and one of the like the best uses of a license if they add like more you know hidden sub stories and side quests and actually like loosened up a bit but right now it's kind of like it's pretty much just a straight shot retelling of dbz and it, like, it's the entirety of it too right it is they the entirety all the sagas. It, which is yeah. nuts yeah That's and it's crazy they do yeah. like a really good job of having like um kind of side quests that like supplement like the like characters like you know there's like weird kind of lulls like basically it has uh like the, the main anime has like lots of filler episodes to kind of like you know plug up the holes of like where i think like toriyama was still trying to make the manga and he was like you know having like back problems and like <laughs> family strife and he was like i'm trying to draw them, them fighting as fast as i can i'm one man and they were like hurry up we need more things to animate and he'd be like make something up and they're like uh uh they go to the dmv uh gohan gets stuck in a cave uh there's a robot there uh yamcha plays baseball and they just like they would they would just make up nonsense and like the game does the same thing except it's like weird side quests where it's like Oh no, your friend is dead. You gotta like turn into him using shape shifting powers <laughs> to go on fake dates so that his like ex girlfriends don't get mad at him for ghosting. Like sure. literally, literally ghosting. Yeah. Um, so there's like a lot of really fun stuff in there yeah. that I'm really happy about. But I'm totally like, ah, oh, it's such an almost. It's yeah. so close. Yeah. Uh, the combat is also just like, it's just like when you really when you like really you know nail it and get into it, it's super fun. But it's. It feels like if you almost if you like sped up Nino Cooney, 
Like if you're like, I'm going to use my friends to support and they're going to come in and cast spells and we're going to do this and I'm going to do some melee attacks. But it's all happening so fast that you're like, your camera is like stuck behind a rock and there's somebody just punching you in the face repeatedly. You're like, I can't do anything. We've all been there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, trap. High school. <laughs> yeah. But like that being said, like stuck in- <laughs> the, the, uh, the like the world that they, they built for this and like the presentation is like so good. So anybody who's like actually a DBZ fan kind of on the fence about a rewatch wanting to like, you know, get nostalgic for the Toonami days. Uh, it's really cool for that. Yeah. Um, if they do if they do a classic Dragon Ball game, which would be so cool because nobody can fly yet. And there are like more vehicles and it's more about like weird ground combat and fighting people with a stick like that would be so cool. Well, I was going to say, just, where would you want them to go next? Because I'm so surprised they included all of DBZ in here. Like when, I think they, when they kept showing the Cell Saga and the Boo Saga, I was like, oh, you're going to all of this. I right. think they screwed up. Yeah, it would have been so cool if they're like, hey, here's the first saga of Dragon Ball Z, except it's got like a crap ton of side quests and like everything is fine tuned and, and like if they were like yeah in in if they did like a yearly release where they just kind of took this did existing world yeah. i mean there totally is like i i would say there's a it's definitely got some similar dna to the yakuza games yeah. where like some cutscenes are like incredibly gorgeously polished and other ones are just somebody standing there talking over subtitles and you're like all right i guess i'll help you yes yeah. i will take your side quest um but like if they just did the, the Yakuza trick and reused the existing map, adding like a few new bells and whistles here and there and like throwing in some new story beats, like and maybe adding like new techniques, that would be really fun. Yeah. I just I don't know. It's it's weird to complain about this being a comprehensive Dragon Ball Z <laughs> video game, but it's like, oh, I would just wish it had like a little more a little more polish. It is it. surprising. Yeah, that they yeah. did that. But it's good to hear that as a Dragon Ball fan. You are. Yeah. 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 I'm I know a lot of people are talking about wanting Dragon Ball Super, but that runs into the even bigger problem of like once again, everyone just gets way more powerful. Yeah. It's like just scale it back. Like yeah. get, so many people haven't experienced classic Dragon Ball that it's like that would be kind of crazy if it was like, hey, here's the. Here's the Yakuza Zero of DBZ games. Like, That'd be a cool place to go. Yeah, that here's fast. a jumping on point with early stuff. Yeah, I would love that. Uh, that cutscene disparity is one of my favorite things from like the PS2 era that mm-hmm. you see all the time. That's I so hope funny. we don't have that next gen, but yeah. Um, well, I'm glad you've been enjoying that. I am excited to jump into that as well. If you've been playing uh, Kakarot, let us know what you've been thinking about in the comments. A uh, couple things before we wrap up. want to jump into a memory card story. Memory card is, of course, our weekly segment where you, the listeners of viewers at home, write in with your funny, weird, wacky, strange whatever memories of your playstation gaming life and we read those on the show you can write into beyond at ign.com with the subject line memory card and we'll read them on the show every week can we get some silly ones yeah we get a lot of really like really intense kind of sad ones sometimes and those are good but like Get, get, get some silly ones. Give us some silly ones. I remember the one, one of the earliest ones we read I was... I fought it on my PS3. <laughs> <laughs> one of the earliest ones we read was about, uh, I think, the guy who sold like 100 copies of a baseball game because uh, we, like he tricked GameStop. Or I love that into story. It. Yeah. So if you have weird ones like that, please send them in. Uh, this one, shorter one, because as you can hear my voice, it's a bit hard to talk, uh, comes from Ed. Ed wrote in to beyond at IGN.com and said, Beyond, Brian's comment about his parents' lack of gaming sparked my own personal memory card. My mom has never really been into gaming, but one weekend when I was home from college, I brought my PS2 with me to play some Silent Hill 2. My mom was sitting in the living room as I played on the TV in the dark, and she became fascinated with what was happening in the game. If you met my mom, she'd be the last person 
the world you'd expect to take an interest in Silent Hill, but she kept remarking how much the game felt like a movie and how creepy it was. It was a rare moment where, I, where my mom shared any modicum of interest in video games. Every now and then she still asks me whatever happened to that series, and I have to sadly explain to her that Konami uses it for Plinko machines now. I'll always remember that weird <laughs> night, though, where my then middle-aged Catholic mom got really into J-horror. Love the show. Thanks for keeping me entertained every week, Ed. Uh, short one, but thank you for writing in with that one. I thought it was That's just great. A funny, uh, I love that. Um, yeah, that does have a. There's a sad ending to that. Franchise. Yeah, there's a rumor kicking around that they're working on two concurrent Silent Hill games, though. That'd be for, in, for Plinko for Pachinko? for Plinko. Yeah. No, for the real for the real game console. The, ir- the irony of them using Silent Hill to make the loudest machines possible is <laughs> like there's nothing silent yeah, about. I mean, Metal Gear Solid. Pachinko parlors are game. terrifying, though. Yeah. yeah, they're some of the scariest places on earth. Um, and yeah, thank you for writing in with that. Uh, tell us your pachinko horror stories uh, <laughs> or PlayStation horror stories. But writing in to beyond at IGN.com, we'll read many more. We have a lot more to read in the weeks to come. Uh, before we wrap up, a couple questions from people in the Facebook Beyond group. I reached out for questions. The first one comes from Christoph. Christoph asked, what color will the PS5 disc cases be? Ooh, so God, that's a good question. Those change sort of yeah. generation. They've been traditionally black. Can I make a confession? Days. Yeah. I hate the blue so much. Yeah. I hate it. Really? What about I the red of the PlayStation hits? I was red. Was, I was, red was good. Yeah. I was okay with that for some reason. Okay. I hate the blue so much. Why? It feels like the same problem as the 360. I don't know. I like something that you can sort of be like, maybe they're movies. It's also easy to identify which things on your shelf are games if you're trying to sort stuff out. That's yeah. Weird. They do look like. Uh, I liked clear. I thought clear was nice for for PS3. There Black. Works. Black yeah. is good. White would be really awesome. Purple. No. No. You gotta no. stop. What about like a cl- what about like a clear red? I love this question. I love this. I remember when I in the, red in the, in the heart of the yeah. What's like, a clear like? What's a clear red? Like wet blood. What? <laughs> yeah, supposed to dry blood? Yeah, when it's still wet, you know, like a liquid. Your blood's like purple. Don't make. They should not make the PlayStation. Actually, that'd be really scary if they made like blood Blood. colored cases. Well, I loved when games would have specialty cases too. I wish that would happen more often. I remember in in fourth grade, um, one of those times when I asked like a dumb question or said said a dumb thing that just made someone just look at me cockeyed. The old Uh, days where you yeah dumb. So I can't remember what game it was, but I remember like Killer Instinct had just come out, which on Super Nintendo had a black cartridge, and like I think Donkey Kong Country on or donkey kong land on game boy had like a yellow card yep. and like it was occasionally like oh cool like they're they're mixing it up getting kind of kooky with Ocarina the colors. it was gold but it was like it was long before gold that was way too crazy but i was like definitely like kind of like hey that's kind of nice like killer instinct black cartridge that's badass and then somebody's like i got this new game and i was like what color is it and they were like what <laughs> and i was like you know the killer instinct is like black I'm like what color is it he's like it's freaking gray dude and i was like all right sorry you know yeah. That's actually the thing I really miss about the cartridge era was just being like, what do they look like? Ooh, yeah. they're yeah. fat little rectangles or like <laughs> funny little squares. Like I remember on the Wii U, the sides of the disc were like soft and rounded. And I was just oh, like, yeah. that's so cool because it's like slightly different than all, all the other discs and all the other systems. I mean, GameCube mini discs were such an yeah. too. Those were so cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even even I, UMDs were like, oh, those were wild. Oh, I was like, but this yeah. is so awesome. Yeah. yeah. Like Somebody, it's like a disc and a cartridge at the finally, same time. They're so tired of all of the corners on my mini discs uh, using wind resistance to slow them down. This is much faster <laughs> because it's 
not re- what I don't know. Yeah, it was like egg shaped kind of. The reality is it'll probably be gray or black or something boring, and they'll be phased out because we download games. All I hope yeah. that they make them custom for each game. I would love, and that. I hope that that's a complete nonsense library, and you get like a like a cool scary game, and it's like a blood red, and then you get like a cool cyber game, and it's like silver. Be great. And then they'll have like marbled ones. I want them to be like D and D dice. I want them to be crazy. I want glow in the dark cases. That's gonna look like your shelf is gonna look nonsense. My shelf is nonsense. Nonsense right now. I got a new entertainment center and there's no room for my games. I have them all in bags next to the, sh- the good, nice bags. I have I have like four grocery bags full of Blu-rays <laughs> and discs. It looks like looks like crazy people live in my house. Maybe they do. Who knows? Anyway, Joshua asks <laughs> on a different note. Uh, I'm um, just bringing the mood right down. What are some games that helped you cope with a loss? Uh, and I wanted to bring this one up mostly because it ties to a, a PlayStation memory for me. The PS3, uh, the year my mom died when I was in high school, uh, was the same year I got a PlayStation 3 uh, for Christmas. So nine months later, it was our first Christmas without her. And I got the PS3 with, I think, Uncharted 1 and 2 had just come out that year. So I got both of those and uh, Infamous and played through all of those through vacation. It was just kind of this, like, my introduction to the PS3 was these great first-party games. Right. And they were all I played because traditionally every Christmas we'd wake up and play games together based on whatever I got for Christmas morning. And so this was sort of a like, these are my first games without my mom. Here's what I'm playing. But it ties into the PlayStation history we've had together. So, yeah, generally through loss or breakups, my go to are like big, goofy open world games that have a bunch of boxes to tick off because video games are inherently escapism. But like none so more than like a giant open world game where you just have a million things to do it's not you're not going through some narrative story you're not really watching a ton of cutscenes you're just like flipping over cars and trucks and jumping on buildings and collecting eggs and <laughs> pigeons or whatever <laughs> you're doing in some big dumb action game I, I love stuff like that uh, that's usually my go to I try to I try to play stuff that's like slightly goofier or more optimistic yeah I think I've I tried through grief to like dive headfirst into like really dark miserable stuff, and I think that only carries you so far. Yeah. It definitely helps. Like there's definitely like I remember like the the weekend we buried my mom, I went to go see Blade Runner twenty forty nine, mm. and I was like, well that's much worse. That world is like a lot worse <laughs> than what I'm dealing with. So that helps because it's sort of like that reverse escapism of being like. It's. I'm gonna look at something that's so bad that it makes my bad stuff feel better. Yeah. In comparison, but I think generally, like I try. Like I've been in a weird funk this year so far, and so I've been trying to connect with stuff that like is a little bit more upbeat, and then I'm just not really finding it. So, yeah. I guess because I'm playing all these like Soulsborne games, <laughs> just like murdering me and t- telling me like, oh, you don't have enough bone blood. <laughs> this year, kicking your ass. Well, how about some games kick your ass too? Yeah. yeah. Get your ass kicked. Exactly. You feel better. Yeah, like if you if you're depressed, why don't you get killed by Dartholomew, the forty foot elk, <laughs> <laughs> the wet dog? Uh, yeah, we'll give you a bunch of items that you don't understand. <laughs> In two thousand nine, I basically dropped out of art school to pursue this internship thing that eventually turned into, long story short, a career in the video game industry. But exploded in my face before that happened, and I basically moved into my with my dad and was like living on his couch and like uh, I had a. MacBook Pro that I ran boot camp on and then ran a pirated copy of Far Cry 2. Sorry, Far Cry. I think I've made it up to you in time <laughs> since then. But uh, that's a game where you can run around and burn things and just set everything on fire, which yeah. is exactly what I did. You didn't, um, you didn't, you didn't pay for Windows? 
Actually, I think I did pay for. Why don't you apologize to the good folks at Windows? I've plugged Game Pass like eight times this <laughs> yeah. episode. What You've do you done want? Your due diligence. <laughs> Bill Gates is only the second richest man in the world. <laughs> How dare you? Everybody, order some Xbox games on Amazon. Wait, no, don't do that. There at Windows. Um, no, but so I, I played through Far Cry Two. I think mostly, uh, which is a game where you're, you, you set a lot of fires. It's great. It's got you know, procedurally generated fire. It's cool. Everything is very dry. You have you have a fever the whole time, so you're burning up too. Everything just burns in that game. And I proceeded to fry the uh, the motherboard in my MacBook doing that, which I remember would like I'd have it in my lap and I'd be like. Oh, this is burning my legs. I'm gonna put this on the coffee table. And it would have like it would have like a steam outline on like the glass coffee table. I'm like, hmm, it's probably not good for it. Was it while you were setting fires in that game? Yeah. That's amazing. That's yeah. yeah. So the graphics are too Slayer. good. Yeah. You need some optic feedback when your computer can just go on fire yeah. too. Burn your legs with Far Cry two. Run that's, it now on Windows. That's on like if Mac you, OS. It's like if you played an Apache helicopter game on on the PS4 Pro. It's oh just my like, god. <sighs> Loud ass system. Yeah. I would love that. Recreation of your actual system. Yeah. Hate it. That, uh, that was like one of the few times I've seen my dad like genuinely really disappointed with me. And I was just like sitting there playing Far Cry and just burning shit and like just making a real, real mess of things and just shooting guns off. And he's just like, you need to get a job. And I was like, okay, <laughs> sorry. Uh, and uh, almost second to last one, Graham asked, what do you guys think of Watch Dogs Legion? Is it going to be a PS5 game? So they, they've said before that it is coming to cross-gen, uh, but I did want to bring up Legion because we kind of haven't heard about it much. We were talking about Watch Dogs earlier. Are you guys excited for it? It's been since E3, really, that we've I'm, heard about I'm it. I'm taking a very specific approach with that game, which is, cool, I'll play it when it's out. I'm not hyped for it. I'm not excited for it. I'm not counting down the days. I think it's going to kick ass and I think it's going to be fun as hell. And I think it's going to be revolutionary in a lot of ways. And I'm also not starving for it. So when it shows up, I'm, I'm playing it on day one. I'll, I'll buy the special edition with the, that won't come with a dog. Cause they said that there aren't dogs in that game. Why do they keep doing a, this stuff? That's exclusive journalism. I got it. You, you guys are welcome. Um, yeah, so I, I can't wait for that. I will play it, but I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh, no, I got delayed, or oh, no, this and that. I can't, you know, count down the seconds for it. When it shows up, I'll, I'll love it, I'll enjoy it, but I'm, I'm not going to burn myself out getting excited for it. I have enough, enough games that are doing that to me right now. Yeah. I was really excited for that game when I mistakenly thought that it was coming out last fall, and then I heard that it was not coming out. It was coming out in the spring, and I was like, okay, I'll play that before Cyberpunk, and then they're like, no, you're not, and I was like, okay, well, I'll play it next. So it's basically like a re revisit of the whole thing with the first Watch Dogs. Um, if that if that comes out as like a launch game for next gen, like that seems very cool. I feel yeah. like that's definitely one of those things where they're yeah. like, it seems like a great we now have more people. Everyone has a better personality. Like there's we used the cloud to make everyone more British or whatever is happening. In you can game. see the old lady's mustache better. <laughs> yeah, we've got all sorts of cool wrinkles. <laughs> Everyone's very dehydrated there. We're uh, gonna have cool wrinkles by the time that old ass. Oh yeah, comes out. Oh, I'm gonna be a silver fox. It's gonna be great. No, I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm really excited for it, but also like what Brian said, like yeah. it's just one of those things where I'm like, I'll play it when it's out, and I'm gonna ignore everything until then. Yeah. See, you that, saying it might be a launch game just got me really excited for it. Now I, that could be a really fun launch game. I think. Yeah. Uh, and last but not least, Dan asked, "What's in Max's pocket?" Shoot, nothing. Nothing. Exciting. Nothing no, this week. Oh, nothing. Nothing great. Sometimes there's what nothing. What is there? It's the same, same, oh, wait, no. Oh. It's eggs. This pen. Is that a vape pen? No, it's a regular, yeah, it's an old-fashioned so. writing pen. I think that's a vape they pen. Make, Those are outlawed. Do they make vape pens that you can click? Like yeah, how do you think you trick the cops, man? Get the jakes off your tail. Po nine. What? what? Boys in blue. Po nine? Never heard of the po nine? What is that? The police. What? Is that like pony canine? <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Podcast Beyond, episode 627 of IGN's weekly PlayStation show. Uh, before we go out for the week, I did want to put out a call for a new segment we like to start doing next week. Uh, we'll talk about what it is more in full next week, but right into beyond at IGN.com uh, with this prompt. Basically, we want to hear from all of you out there about like that one thing, whether it was a gameplay hook or a scene in a game or a particular performance from a character in a game or a voice actor or, you know, the way a level was lit, something, some small little detail in a PlayStation game that you played, preferably first party or exclusive or multi-platform if you played it on PlayStation. But write in and describe to us about that one little thing that really grabbed you and made you love a specific game. It can be from any generation, whenever you played it, um, right into us with that, right in with the subject line, that one thing to beyond at IGN.com. And we'll start to read these on the show each week. Basically we want, we want to dive into the games we love, but specifically like the little touches to them that really make us love them and sort of go the extra mile for why we care about them so much. I'll kick it off with a very quick one. Uh, yeah. Punching through a treasure chest in God of War. Yes. It is yeah. an amazing little thing. It's so satisfying. I've been opening treasure chests in video games since the 80s, and it's wonderful to see that angry bald man just punch a hole through it and steal the treasures. The first time he punched open a chest in the game, I was like, <laughs> oh, that's, that's how we're doing that yeah. this game. Okay, yeah. That exactly. is- There's like other games where you're just like, you're fiddling with a, like a lock picking mechanic, and Kratos is like, no. Yep. I love that. It's great. So yeah, it's something like that, whether it is a gameplay mechanic or something else, write into beyond at IGN.com and we'll read those on the show. You can write a novel if you would like. We'll probably condense it on the show or you can write a quick couple of sentences, preferably probably around there, and we'll read those on the show each week. And one more really quick one. The scream yeah. you hear when you get to the top of the first ladder in Bloodborne, when you get up there and it just goes like, <laughs> you're like, I'm here, Bloodborne. Uh, Almost went the whole episode without saying Bloodborne. Bloodborne. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, cool. I was thinking about all the good things in Bloodborne. Save a lot of them. Think yeah. about them for next week. Uh, and we'll be, of course, sharing some of our favorites on the show as well. Uh, I also do want to call out, if you haven't listened this week, I was on uh, this week's episode of P.S. I Love You XOXO over on the kind of funny game side of things because we started a fantasy critic league, uh, started by Blessing and Greg over there, where we've each drafted a league of games. And by the end of the year, we will see which games are reviewed the best. Mm-hmm. Across the field. My list for those who don't know uh, are Ghost of Tsushima, Watch Dogs Legion, uh, the Untitled Batman game from WB Games Montreal. Is that the name hope, of it? God, I hope they call it that. God, that'd be great. <laughs> uh, Untitled Batman. And he's just a nuisance. He's just throwing British people's lunches in that'd the be river. Great. Just criminals trying to go about their daily job, and Batman shows up and just like steals their jam or whatever. <laughs> uh, Spelunky 2, Assassin's Creed 2020, and Psychonauts 2. So all of these games, whatever they are reviewed, I will get a certain amount of points for. If they come out this year, some of those games, of course, are not announced. So if they don't come out this year, I don't get any points. But based on how they're reviewed, I'll either receive points or get docked points. And at the end of the year, we'll tally them all up. I can also draft more games to my list. We each have a budget. Yeah, it's fine. We each have a budget of about $100 to spend. I don't know how much each game will cost. Tell me what games I should buy into this grouping. Uh, obviously, you may be noticing some big games like The Last of Us Part Two and Cyberpunk are not on my list. Those games were taken by other people in the draft, but you can find out all those games by listening to that episode. Well, I'm happy with my list. Cool. While you're over there checking out Jonathan's Cricket League, you can also check out the We Have Cool Friends episodes that Brian and I were on. We both right. jumped over there, swung by, yeah. uh, just had a long old chat with Greg, which was fun. Good old uh, friend. 
Also, somebody, I think somebody on Twitter asked me what was in my pocket, and I was like, I should put something good in my pocket, and then that never got asked on the show. <laughs> but watching that episode, please know that there's a small plastic figurine of Yamcha from Dragon Ball Z <laughs> lying in a crater that well, I had in my pocket. That's amazing. And then I forgot it was in my pocket and carried it around for literally the entire, <laughs> entire weekend. So, wow. That's great. Yeah. I think the the good thing is that your dad is proud of you now. He's actually, yeah, he's actually, I think he's just gotten tired. <laughs> so he's got less energy to be disappointed. Anyway, thank you so much for listening and or watching to this episode. Uh, you can find me at Twitter and Instagram at JM Dornbush. Max is at Max Scoville. You can find me at Arby's Official. That as well. And Brian is at Agent Bizzle. Underscore IHOP. Yeah. Underscore IHOP. Uh, of Jeez, course. Hashtag YoPlay to find us both and all of our... I'm just kidding. <laughs> Beyond is live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific at beyond.ign.com, youtube.com slash Beyond, and your favorite podcast services around the world. Thank you so much for listening and are watching to this episode. And as always, Beyond. 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 Speaking of YoPlay, did I say that my kid calls yogurt Lolioko? <laughs> <laughs> is that like a Zelda town? It's to be like, Lolioko. And I'm like, wow, are you yodeling? <laughs> Initially, yogurt. That's wow. Incredible. Thank you, guys. Hi, it's Jennifer, a founder of Go Kid Go and a mom to two kids. Join my family on the story train with Calm Conductor Birdie each night as we travel through the magic rainbow tunnel to everywhere and anywhere to find the best bedtime stories. Search for Story Train on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) 